Here's the Smart Retirement Podcast, brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Matt and Jeff. Welcome back, listeners, for another great episode of the Smart Retirement Podcast. This is your co-host, Matt Hollander, joined here with co-host Jeff Shulam. Jeff, how are we doing today? Excellent. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, you know, as we had talked about in, in, in our previous episode, we do have a guest today uh, by the name of Alan Millam with a company called Questage. And uh, really excited to kind of get some insight from Alan. Uh, Alan is a executive coach or a uh, master certified coach who has more than 25 years of experience um, working with teams and individuals in corporate settings, really helping them get their mindset and everything in, in, in order to kind of finish out the last parts of their lives and keep them motivated through um, you know, that uh, stage three, if we will, of uh, their working years. Um, so Alan works with a lot of high impact leaders uh, in, in big companies. Um, and I think it's going to bring a different dynamic to today's show than we, we've really you know, talked about here in the past. Um, but I do think it's going to be right up our alley, Jeff. I mean, uh, we just got done doing a, uh, a virtual endurance race, which you and I both competed in with a couple teammates. But, um, you know, I, I like to take some of this back to, to racing occasionally. And because Jeff, I mean, that's one of our passions for sure. And if we can figure out a way to bring passion into what we do on a daily basis, I think it makes it much more enjoyable. Um, but you know, I mean, when we look at endurance racing and you're thinking to yourself, okay, we've got to maintain a pace that's consistent through three, six, 12, 24 hours, whatever that race may be, does it make sense to push hard at the beginning? just to fade out later because now you've worn through your equipment and you're just not you know excited to do it anymore or jeff like you you mentioned is you you take kind of that turtle approach maybe and you know turn it to rabbit mode towards the end um or you know do you just kind of stay consistent all the way through and 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 risk the uh you know you go long enough that maybe you didn't attain what you're wanting to um, whether it be, you know, Jeff, you and I, we talk about those mini retirement vacations and things and, you know, do we, are we able to attain those things? Right. So I think Alan's going to be a, a really good person to have on the show today, just kind of how to shift that mindset into a position, um, where we're, you know, we feel that relevance and positivity in our lives at that, you know, that final stage of our working years. Are you saying life is like an endurance race, Matt? I think that might be what I'm getting at. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a lot of different approaches, right? Do you want to burn out a little bit too soon, or do you want to think about it for the long haul and 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 uh, and have a consistent, steady life? Yeah, there's there's definitely different approaches, and that's what I think this this podcast is all about. So. I'm, I'm glad you brought that, that up about the endurance racing. Um, and, and I know that Alan also has worked with some Olympians, and I'm kind of hoping to hear his opinions on working with top athletes because I know they have a certain mindset that all of us can learn from Sure. Uh, that, uh, that could be useful for us as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we'll be able to come away from today's episode with is you know, in, in, re- 
in our working years, I think discipline in a lot of the things that we do uh, on a day-to-day basis and things, I think is going to be pretty important. I think Alan will probably reinforce that a little bit as we, uh, as we go through this episode. Well, I think that hopefully he'll bring up the, the, the mindset of how Americans have a different point of view on working versus, let's say, the Europeans. Sure. Right? I mean, right. We have this Puritan ethic of work hard, play hard type of, of mentality where the emphasis in Europe is more, I would think, with balance and vacations and, you know, the time off. I mean, just look at the differences in, in vacation time in Europe. I think the average vacation time in Europe is four weeks. Well, you're lucky to get one week here, maybe two. I mean, they have a completely different mindset towards that. And I, and I think that nothing to say wrong about the Puritan ethics, but is it the best way, you know, can, can we, make a difference and maybe earlier on and have more balance about that sure and and not have to worry as much about changing when you retire i would think that it's hard going from work 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 to nothing 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 right and so i'm sure he's gonna get into that so i'm looking forward to it absolutely yeah and i think to, to kind of bounce off of that jeff is is looking at the you know the, the workforce in like the asian countries right uh, you know the totally different work ethic than both europe and the united states so um, you know there's definitely a balance that has to happen and i'm not saying one's more correct than the other right so it'll be interesting to kind of get uh, alan's perspective on that so uh, Jeff, why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? And when we come back, we will have uh, Alan Milham of uh, Questage on the show with us. And we can kind of dive in and ask him some questions and pick his brain. So Great. I'm looking forward to it. Listeners, stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. It's been a roller coaster of a start to the new decade. From the pandemic to the election, record low interest rates, a wild market, home prices that seem to have no ceiling, it leaves us asking what's next? Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will this past election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my home before the market adjusts to downsize? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion. From a team like Century Financial Consultants, with over 40 years of financial planning experience, get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand. And if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year, give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license number 0L23991 and 0175638. Welcome back, smart retirees, from that short break. Uh, as promised, we are joined here today by Alan Milham, founder of Questage. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm in good shape. Well, that's great to hear. 
That's great to hear. Uh, listeners, Alan actually is out here in the Phoenix area with me, so we're not melting yet. <laughs> and I think the rain has, uh, maybe the rain's dried up for a little bit. We can enjoy some of what we uh, have come to know as our Arizona summer, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Um, Alan, I mean, uh, you and I have got a chance to talk a little bit, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what Questage is and kind of how you can help uh, some of our listeners. Sure, thank you. And thanks for this opportunity. Um, Questage was founded a couple years ago um, based on my work for the past 25 years working with executive leaders globally just around executive performance, being able to elevate their impact in, in their leadership roles and I started my career as a career consultant in San Francisco in the 90s. And I had an experience back then that I just, it, it, it never left me. Um, we had the privilege of working with um, really top-notch executives. You couldn't walk in off the street. You, the company afforded these programs. And it was mostly out of merger and acquisition that we would have the opportunity to work with amazing um, leaders. And like with a CFO, if it's an acquisition, one got the job, the other one didn't. And I'll never forget uh, a couple years into my work there uh, with an individual um, who's nearing 60, I think. And, and uh, when he walked into my office, I just found his, his mood really off, right? And, and I was looking at his resume. It was just absolutely stellar. Great, great college pedigree, um, seamless work through his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and... This was the first time that he um, was without, wor out, without work. It was as if we were in a room that was just all white walls and there was nothing on the walls to represent who he was. There was something about when his business card and his title was taken away, there was no there there. And that was a sad moment because I could just think, wow, you have accomplished so much, right? But from his perspective, um, his, because he put so much of his identity tied to his work, um, that, that, you know, it really is, it, it was a bit depressing and, and, you know, there's a phenomena in America that's been in place for decades and I, I haven't seen it in Europe, in countries abroad, you know, in the, in this, that proverbial cocktail conversation, when you walk into a room and you meet someone and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, so what do you do? Right. And, you know, it's, it's, we put so much onto that, right? If uh, I had lived in France when I was uh, in college and, you know, it wasn't what you did. It was, where was your family from? Where do you come from? Right. And, and the stories of your family and the richness of, of that versus our work identity. And I just, you know, I just never forgot that as I move forward into my work as a, as an executive uh, coach and leadership strategist. And, it occurred to me about three years ago, just woke up with it to say, you know, a lot of my executives were getting ready to retire. They'd won the money game, but they were still in their late 50s, early 60s, and with a deep desire to continue to be productive, even though that their full-time careers were wrapping up. And that's really where the seeding of Questage came, um, is really to help top-performing leaders to create a really compelling roadmap uh, for the third act of their life, right? And... Um, and so that's that's really the genesis of the, and we made up the word um, through the through the word of question, through the word of quest and stage and age and all that is built into questage as a word. And we're really here to really create high impact transitions, excuse me, high impact transitions for 
for um, the third act of life folks. And, and a part of what's unique about us is um, you, we, 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 we want to work with clients who desire to continue to lead um, because we have a gap right now. We have so many boomers retiring and until the millennials, we need another decade before the millennials will be nearing 50, 40 to 50, where they can sort of cover the whole. And, and we need to keep, we, we can't afford to lose the leader's wisdom and the sage advice and the knowledge they have. And so uh, candidates that come to us um, have to have a desire to pay it forward. I don't care if it's consulting, foundation work, charity, volunteer, it doesn't matter. But, you know, as, as, you, as you well know, the, the, the era of what I'll call retirement, because I think that word's just going to fade away in the next decade or two, um, our clients do not like that word because they don't want to retire, right? At best, it's pro-tirement, right? And so, um, you know, we really, really want to really, what we do is create compelling roadmaps. So, so our, our clients wake up on Monday mornings excited for the week. They're feeling relative. They're feeling productive. They've got purpose. And their mindset is one of positivity. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of sad stories where people, you know, finish their full-time careers, particularly the male and you know, the white male who uh, have got so much uh, ego and power in their success, and now they're isolated, right? And so we, we want to make it a team sport. We want to build out their networks and, and to be able to have them purposely, um, you know, feeling engaged uh, for the remaining decades of their of their life. You know, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the statement of the 60s being the go-go years, the 70s being the slow-go, and the 80s being sort of no-go. And I think in this next decade, keep pushing it out. I'm, I'm reminded of an amazing man I met in, um, uh, uh, I met him about three years ago, um, 88 years old, uh, had a very successful business. Um, and I said to him, I said, you know, when are you, when are you thinking of slowing down? And he said, you know, it's funny. I just talked to my wife about that last night. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to cut it in half. And, and take it down to about 40 hours a week, I think, now is that I'm 88 years old. And I just cracked up because he had all the energy of a 50-year-old, wow. right? And he was very, very passionate and um, ended on a sad note because he didn't survive COVID. And, uh, you know, but, but I thought, well, he went out with a bang because he was so, he just had all the right wiring and the mindset. And he said, I have a lot of my friends that are looking really old and they don't do anything, but that's not my story. And I think that's so inspirational uh, to think that we, we can have that high productivity in the third act of our, our lives. Sure. Jeff, I, 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 go ahead. I was just wondering, is there some statistics out there of those that um, maybe that stay productive and don't really retire per se and, and seeing if that actually increases their life expectancy, you know, staying productive, having a purpose every day and so forth. Has there been any surveys of any sort that you know of? Yeah, there, it's a great one because one survey that um, we found um, had to do with really how they, you know, sort of looking at what they called new retirement, right? 
and how it's impacting people at the end of their careers. And, and in this survey, 83% of the pre-retirees said they expect to live their best life in, in the third act of their life, which is awesome, right? Um, 83% also said they'd rather save more money so they don't have to cut back in retirement. So you've got sort of a, uh, you know, sort of a future thinking of proactive saving. And 81% said there are more jobs and career opportunities for people in post-retirement than ever before. And we're seeing that play out, right? So, so there's a very positive uh, element. Now, this is one survey, right? Um, the other, we have to recognize, I think we've got sort of a split, um, sort of tale of two cities, if you will, given the pandemic. Uh, Forbes came out, or sorry, not Forbes, uh, Bloomberg came out in April um, talking about sort of a new um, sort of, uh, you know, a mindset around, um, more people retiring earlier, right? Um, wanting to use their life now and to enjoy that bucket list now versus waiting for for the future. And in their findings, they talked about the fact that there are, um, you know, uh, there were millions of people who are sort of pulling it out early just to, to be able to live that life they want. Uh, conversely, you still have a large population, sort of, I think the last one we looked at was one in three baby boomers who will have to work well into their 70s because they don't have have the retirement reserves. And some feel they'll have to work the rest of their lives. So you, you have a bit of a split, which concerns me in, in the bigger scheme of, you know, hierarchy. Um, but, um, you know, the where we where Questage focuses is, is really on the on the on the top performing leader because they have influence and power and resources to make a difference, and and that's why we really believe leadership needs to continue well into the third act of your life so you really can help your communities, help um, help the world right help those areas that you're passionate about to make a difference and, and that's really at the premise of what we're about. Have you found working with some of your your clients that? the younger generation isn't interested on what wisdom the older generation has and how to deal with that. I know I've experienced that personally with a, with a nephew who, who's creating apps for, you know, for him, for a company that he founded. But at the same time, my father and I were in the software business for, you know, 24 years, same thing, but he's never come to us for advice and at the same time I've tried to give it to him and I think he he, he thinks he knows better. Just out of curiosity, how old is he? He was 19 when he created his first app and now he's 25. Got it. So, you know, there, there, and I don't have, we don't have a ton of research on this because it's, it keeps shifting, right? Um, you know, if you look at corporate America, that's where the leadership void, you know, if you're looking at who owns the culture of businesses, if the senior leaders are leaving, let's take Wells Fargo, for example, right? I mean, you have a lot of, you know, old bank, a lot of players and a lot of people now transitioning, right? And so when you're looking at large organizations, um, to have that young, young buck say, well, I don't need any advice, I'm just going to do my thing. Well, what, what about the, you know, the 100 years of culture and the 100 years of history and, and, it, and particularly with those leaders that have spent their entire careers, 30 or 40 years there, and they leave, 
who's 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 overseeing that transition from a cultural perspective that makes it competitive and makes make makes the new worker want to be there your your who you're who you're referencing to has much more an entrepreneurial mindset right I, I doubt highly that he will ever go into a big you know authoritarian corporate you know with hierarchy because it sounds like he's going to be much more of an entrepreneurial mindset and so that kind of mindset may not really care about that aged third act of life but um i think there are many in the corporate context that will do value that and want to learn from it right um so um the gen z's that are coming in basically he's either at the end of the millennial or a z but you know what we're learning about the the gen z's um is that they they want the history they want they they want to they want to be at the table they want to they want to be able to learn they recognize they don't have the decades of skills but they want to they want to be hungry for it and they demi- demand a self-aware leader and so um so it, it's those learning organizations and those learning businesses that are going to attract uh the gen z population because they want you know it, it matters to them if they're the business is doing well they're doing well for the world and that their value line and that's a little different certainly from you know the the boomer generation so you've got a lot of in the other element is you're going to have 70-year-old people reporting to you know 30-year-old managers which is going to be an interesting dynamic we've never had so many generations in a workforce right from 20 to 70 you're scanning you know five generate or four generations there and uh that's also something we'll have to watch to see how that plays out that's great alan if i came to you <clears throat> when i was about to retire uh, what kind of questions would you ask me and and a better thought would be what would be the that question that if i had 10 years if you had asked that 10 years earlier i might have done something different right so uh well the first part of that is in fact it's on the website we have an are you ready assessment that simply it's 10 questions and it allows you just to sort of take a pause to reflect and are you ready for this kind of journey um and you get a percentage and um and a lot of people who take it aren't ready or not ready it's not they're not ready for questage right and the kinds of things we're looking for is you know looking at how's your energy about your third act of life some are just burned out they want to be unplugged and that's not a questage client right we're looking for the energy we're looking for their hunger around being productive we're looking for the mindset of being a you know are they a learning leader are they do they continue to be curious about life as a student versus feeling like they know it all one of the interesting dynamics that we're seeing that's new uh with retirement communities is uh they're now hooking hooking they're building them next to universities so in fact Matthew we write down at ASU there is now a a huge you know multi multi I don't know how much they spend on it's gorgeous facility that's actually on ASU campus and it's a retirement facility and they have free education they have free access to classrooms sure. and what we're seeing is you know for a percentage of that third act of life they're hungry for knowledge So one of the things we we check for that is you know cuz some some are un, some are done some are just one they're burned out they're done um they're they want to be unplugged we've got you know the in last year according to one research 
the average American retiree watched 48 hours of TV per week. Now, that's not good news for us, <laughs> right? Um, you know, in the next 20 years, boomers will have like something like 2.5 trillion hours less to fill as, we, as they come out of their careers. So for us, we want to tap in and, 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 and get into the mindset of those that are not done. They don't want to give it up. They don't want to pause. They don't want to slow down. They want to like, yeah, we got to rewire it. Um, um, and, you know, we have dear friends that are, she's 70. I think he's 80. Uh, they've won the money game. And they will never, when they go to a party, they do not sit down, but they stand and mingle. And if anyone comes up and says, hi, I'm George, you know, well, what was your career like? What did you do? They, they politely say, excuse me, I've got to go take a phone call. And they leave because they're not interested in talking about where they've been. They want to talk to people like, what do you, who are you? What, where do you live? What's going on? What do you care about? And I think that's just fascinating, right? Because, you know, a lot of people, when we retire, we get caught up into the where we've been. And questage is about where are you going, right? And with that mindset, of, and it's contagious. People want to be around it, right? Absolutely. So, to looking ten years back, right, to get someone that's forty-five, you know, that's where I think you guys are coming in, right? To really do the pre-planning, get ahead of it, right? Um, and and to be able to, you know, it is about structure. It is about really you know, being way more mindful. And at least what I'm seeing, I don't know, you guys know this better than I do, but all my millennial kids, right, you know, with, uh, who are in their 20, you know, 25, 30, they are so disciplined when it comes to financial management and saving. And, you know, the boomers lost out greatly because we just didn't have the education. You know, we weren't getting that in high school. I mean, I, I took an accounting class, but there was nothing about financial management and planning and 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 your your industry is now doing that beautifully to educate um that will allow for um really more meaningful lives not tied to the fact tied to the job tied to the to the you know the, the having to save for the future um one of harvard's most fascinating sold out classes a couple of years ago was about happiness and this professor just nailed it in fact his book is called happier and he really makes the distinctions of people who are caught up in the rat race. And for a lot of boomers, they got into the rat race, you know, head down, plow through, save for later. My happiness will come later. And he talks about, you know, how do we get that happiness into current state, right? Absolutely. And I believe, so it's, it's, it, it, we've got so much profound change on this topic. And it's going to be one really to note and be interested in in the coming decade. Now, speaking uh, speaking of books, Alan, you you're actually you've got a, a book or two as well, don't you? Right, I, I've written three books in the last twenty years. My last one is called um, "Out of the Question: How Curious Leaders Win," and we really talk about the distinction between the learner um, uh, the learner leader versus the knower leader, and. The knower leaders, the old general, the old command and control, do as I see, keep your emotions at home, Chuck, you know. And and as I said earlier, the new generation of workers are no longer going to tolerate that. Sure. You know, the bully leaders is 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 going to be out of vogue quickly. It's kept me nicely employed, though, for 25 years. But the new leader, this learner leader, is more like the guide, right, who's willing to be curious, willing to, you know, to, to not, you know, I don't know the answers, but we'll figure it out. Willing to be vulnerable, you know, willing to, to show that. 
And and um, so in that book, we just talk about the you know the distinctions between those, and a lot of that thinking goes into questage, right? Because who we're really attracting is that learner, um, third act of life person that that's wanting to be wanting their third act, as I said earlier, wanting their third act of life to be their best act of life. Sure. And, and yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I mean, we close the the podcast with my my typical, you know, let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. So, talking about the third, you know, the third part being the best part, I think that's that's pretty cool. I think it's well aligned. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Questage and Jeff. I know you've got some questions, but you know, we're about halfway ish through our segment here. So, Alan, if you would um, just tell our listeners how to find Questage, how to find you, how can they connect with you? Everything is at questage.com, Q-U-E-S-T-A-G-E, questage.com. And they're both on the leadership side as well as high-impact transitions. Um, there's a video, a little one-minute-and-40-second video that sort of makes the case visually around you know, what we're talking about here, as well as that um, assessment, Are You Ready?, uh, that can um, can help them to see if, if uh, you know, could we serve as a resource for them? And if they're not, we give them other resources, certainly. There are a lot of resources out there to help all people who are nearing uh, the third act of life. Okay. Jeff? Um, do you find that the type of leader that you're, you're, you have um, <clears throat> as clients are also, I assume, have somewhat of a, uh, a feeling that they want to leave a legacy and do you help them with that in some fashion or form? Absolutely. So the first phase of the discovery of the, of the questage process is the discovery process where we actually have uh, two very powerful assessments. One is out of Cape Town, South Africa called the integrative Enneagram that really helps uh, the client really understand their core motivations. I've been using this tool for many years for leaders, but it's also very relevant as we're looking at the third act of life of just to really understand, you know, what are what are my true core motivations so that I can really feed those, right, and have it as a baseline. And one of the reflective exercises certainly is around legacy. And it's having us cast forward three decades to ask the question as you're um, on that comfortable Tempur-Pedic final bed, right? And you're reflecting back on your life, what matters and what what's most important to you? Um, I've been using the legacy piece for decades as for leaders, and it's a bigger game now with Questage because it's now time limited. You know, asking a 30-year-old what, what matters to you, you know, over the next, you know, 60 years is very different than what matters to you over the next, you know, 20 years. And so... Uh, by really reflecting that out uh, allows us then to build in a roadmap to ensure that that legacy can actually um, be created. Awesome. Um, And and as far as um, being able to help them with their bucket list, is that something that you get involved with as well? Or is it more about dealing with the mindset? And and I know that you, you had mentioned so much of us in America believes our work is our identity and who we are. I, and I know I kind of went through that recently. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it was very hard because, um, you know, my friends and family knew I was that guy because of, you know, the profession I right. was in. And, 
and so forth. Right. And it made me, I was very proud of that situation. And, and now all of a sudden I don't have that, that, that title anymore. And, um, it was tough, but I survived, but how do you help your clients move through that? Well, we operate on both sides of the coin, right? Uh, sort of what I'll call the hard side is around, you know, reflective exercises and some assessments that allow us to lay a foundation for that roadmap. And um, in part of that is actually building out productivity scenarios. We actually go out three decades, depending on the age of the, of the client, um, we tend to work 54 to 68 is sort of our sweet spot. Um, not that I've had 70 plus old clients. It's just energetically, we noticed a little bit of a difference, uh, for what we're up to, um, in the, in the, in the, in the third half, last half of the or last third of the baby boomer population. And so we can look at both on the hard side, how do you want to be productive? Um, you have every right to continue to earn if you desire that. Um, and so we build out scenarios based on what we, out of that discovery process to begin looking at, uh, is this, you know, creating a charity, a foundation, uh, volunteer, is this developing, you know, my last client, 72 years of age, is consulting vibrantly um, in his area, in his, in his interest and perfectly engaged. And then the second productivity is really life productivity. And so on that in that exercise, we're looking out three decades and just asking the question, what matters to you? As you mentioned, your bucket list. This is where that comes in around travel, lifestyle, health, relationships, family, friends, etc. And so we and then what we do is we take that data and put it into a really elegant, easy to follow roadmap that allows for the client. And obviously, this is a team sport with their partner or spouse and with their kids or grandkids. So there's a way that it all comes together in, in a really to, to really speak to the new identity of, of what I'm doing, moving it forward versus living in my past. And one of my, you know, one of the things you're talking about, um, you know, Jeff, is when you talk about your transition, right? Well, there's a lot of there's ego in, in what we do, right? And there's healthy ego and then there's sort of non-healthy ego. And one of my greatest teachers is, is Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, who is just an amazing visionary um, and so steeped in profound knowledge. He's written a number of books, and one of my favorites is called Falling, Falling Upward. And what he does so beautifully in that book is really talks about the first half of life versus the second half of life. And for, you know, the first half is coming into the world and your family and your education and college, hopefully, and then work and, and uh, life partners and families and career growth and all that sort of the doing of the first half of your life, right, with, with healthy ego. And he makes the case that the second half of life, you can define what that means age-wise, but let's just say it's 50, right, or 55, is, is just offering the perspective that with all that you've accomplished, how about the human beingness of your life, right? Sort of, sort of just checking that ego and asking the question, what really matters? And that's where the legacy piece ties in to say, well, what's really important? You know, for years, I would get clients who had looked so great on resumes. Their resumes were stellar, but they came to me with a statement like, is this all there is? And I'm like, well, it's pretty impressive, right? But, but they got to a place where they realized that it wasn't about the title, the compensation or whatever. It was like, I'm, I'm yearning for something more. 
And so uh, Richard Rohr does a great, great job of just allowing us to have that inflection point to really think what, what matters to us. How do we want to play it out, right, as we move into that third act of life? Is it, um, is it as simple as saying you don't sweat the small stuff? <laughs> is, that the big, is that the big lesson that we learn when we get older? <laughs> yeah, so great, there's a great book on that exact topic. And, yeah. um, y- yes and. I mean, I would always love it to be that simple. And, and you know, at Quest, you try to make it that simple. But it really depends on the, on the client. And I, ultimately, we have to just lower the mirror. We have to, at the end, end of the day, we all just have to, as we enter our third act of life, is to, is to lower the mirror and just simply look at what you see and to really say what matters, right? And, what, and, and then, again, as you brought up earlier, what, what matters for me to really focus on so I can be proud of the, la- the last, last act of my life, right? That I, I can really, you know... Um, be really proud of what I accomplished in addition to everything that's occurred prior. And, you know, again, just think, I mean, I was, I was raised that you retired and there was a gold watch, never really quite understood that concept, but it's, you know, and, and then, and then you went fishing and, or knitting or, you know, there were rocking chairs and, you know, and, and it's, you know, we originally had the title of this quest to tie impact retirement and and our our as we tested it, they just blew that word out, right? They're just ret- no, I'm not retiring. That I don't want that in my vocabulary. Never do I want that in my vocabulary. So we're we really are, are pivoting to some profound change as we shift as the baby boomers, you know, move up and out, and um, and the next generation comes in, and and uh, it's, it's 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 all fast paced and moving, but. Uh, what I think is most fascinating for the boomers is that they really value self-sufficiency. They pride themselves on decision-making and, and, and still being competitive and optimistic in nature. And, and you know, to, uh, to the beloved guy that was cutting his work week at 88 to down to 40 hours, you know, that's the kind of mindset. Not that you have to work 40 hours, but just I really do talk about mindset. And um, if you've ever traveled into nursing homes, some of them are very sad because they're unplugged and they're, um, you know, um, they've given up and they feel that the world, with, particularly with technology, is going so fast. And we really want to change that narrative. It's never too late to learn. Well, you said earlier about uh, trying to figure out really what matters. I think part of that is difficult, maybe, or maybe it's different. Because as, as you get older, that you understand what that really means, what matters right. more so. You have that right. wisdom. But for someone like Matt, he's going to have a different version, I think, of what matters at his age. So is there That's something right. that maybe you can generalize <clears throat> what you've seen as an answer to some of your clients as far as what they think is what matters to maybe give the younger generation insight to what to expect maybe as you get older? Well, great question. And we have a research team working on that very one. We're, we're, work, we're, we're actually interviewing a thousand, uh, retire, a thousand people in the third act of life across the United States. And that's one of the questions. Um, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're at, it won't be done until uh, the end of Q4. Um, but it is, you know, 
I think you and I can sort of look at how we were raised. And when we thought, when you thought about your grandparents and the level of productivity and what they did, they're very different. It's a different, just a whole different world compared to where we are today. And, and my hope is, is that, you know, the mats of the world will be curious to learn from the wisdom, the elders, right? If you look at other countries and look at Native American cultures, you know, the elder are revered, right? They're sacred, they, 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 you know, and, and we, we need to do a way better job in, this, in, this, in the United States on this topic, you know, to be curious and, and to, to want to listen to the, to the legacy and the learnings and to apply that. Otherwise, we're just, otherwise you're just working between your ears. And we really believe that in the third act of life, as all life should be, is, is evoking curiosity to just be able to be in awe and wonder and to learn um, so that you can become the best version of yourselves, no matter what age you are. Once again, maybe a general question or asking a general answer. And I maybe it's a little misleading because your clients are probably already have enough funds to, let's say, retire happily. But is there something that you've seen that says that having more money makes you happier in your retirement versus not? Yeah. So, uh, we have not we have no research on that you certainly have research on the question generally i mean you know you've seen the research on lottery winners that win the whole thing and and then you know years later guess where they are right back to where they began um and i'm very much aware that i've stated a couple times that i'm talking about you know leaders who have won the money game um, but I want to be clear, it is not about money. I mean, we focus with, because that's where I have worked for the last 25 years, it's just a natural extension of what I've done to now really help those leaders be able to pay it forward. And because they have financial affluence, they have greater means to actually do that for their communities uh, or for whatever matters. But it's not tied to the happiness of it. They have influence and power with it. But anyone coming into the third act of life, um, you know, has the opportunity to really check to say, how is your mindset, right? Are you coming from a place of prosperity and, uh, you know, feeling good and optimistic? Or are you coming from a place of scarcity and pessimism? And what we know is that productivity um, and happiness puts on, allows your lives to live longer. That's now proven in the field of positive psychology, that the disposition of, of a positive outlook and a productive life allows people just li- literally to live four to five years longer than one that, that has more of a darker viewpoint. And, and so, um, and I believe, you know, mindset is so important in this conversation because, you know, when you take, it sounds like you've done an amazing job with your transitions, right? And, and you sound like you've got a very productive, active, full life going on right now. Um, and sometimes the saddest person is the one that uh, I had a client recently that was out of work for probably eight months during the pandemic. And he's such a top performer that that eight months really was sort of crushing for him because he got, he got out of the fast moving current of the life he enjoyed and then he began to question relevancy, he began to question whether, you know, he at, at 71 could be able to, 
you know, be competitive with 30 and 40 year olds. And he's the one I mentioned earlier where he's back in the game and crushing it. Right. But, but we have to ultimately just, just to check the mindset to make sure that we're, 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 um, we're, we're on the right side of, of the equation. Very early on in my career, when I was a career consultant, we, uh, worked with the privilege of sponsoring the U.S. Olympics, and I had the privilege of working with some Olympians in the San Francisco office. And what amazed me about them that informed my entire career around performance coaching was the fact that with no training, every one of them had this ability to manage the inner critic and the fear versus the positivity and that that vo- that champion voice. And there was no training on it. They just said, no, this is how we do it. And I said, well, if that can work for you at 2021, this can work for my 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old leaders. And that's why mindset is so important and and uh, making sure that you're not sabotaging. I always say, who's got the microphone in your head? And is that messaging positive or is it sort of crushing you? Because that will, that will have an impact on your quality of your life. That's very interesting you say that because I know when I was doing recruiting for EY, you know, the, I, I noticed that we in the past that we're, we're selecting candidates that all excelled in some kind of athletic sport. They were the top in their game in some yeah. kind of sport. And I was one of those. I played racquetball, competitive yeah. racquetball. And to, to speak exactly what you're talking about, after reading the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, that talked about right, how right. That, that mind, um, yeah. I went from a B player to an open player in about a year's time after perfecting, quieting that mind. That's and great. so I can relate to that. And I, I can see where that can be very beneficial in the workplace as well as, and that's how I also helped with my transition. It's just trying to that's keep great. that voice quiet, you know, and, 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 and that's, a, you're right. And that's, that's a big piece right now, um, you know, is, is really mindfulness, right? And, and my graduate degree is in counseling psychology, but uh, I was, I was, it was, there was a holistic element to it, right? And, and the professor said, you're not going to be able to use this word holistic for a couple of decades, but it's coming. And the whole point of that is we are, can't, you know, if you look at the billions in stress related disorders, right, we can't be working harder. And that's why in part, I think we've got that Bloomberg report that came out that just simply said, you know, for a lot of folks, they're they want life that they, they're taking the life of short mindset to be have it under their own control. And it's not about doing more. When I say productive, I don't mean exhausting. I mean that you're you're having time for yourself, that you're 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 being able to be reflective in the course of your day, that you're being able to work on your body, you're being able to be healthy. You know, I've seen unfortunately too many of the type A players where the wake up call was the heart attack or the stroke before they got the message, they had to change it. And um, so certainly as we enter the third act of life, this is about the opportunity of really having an integration of your productivity that's fueling you and it's taking care of your body and it's taking care of your mind uh, for, for a life well lived. I just saw a documentary on um, the past Olympians and how they're dealing with stress related to what happens after winning a gold medal and how there's tendency for some pretty stressful situations, including suicide. And I, I found it fascinating, but at the same time, it did seem a little odd that they were like reaching out 
to the world saying, you know, we, we didn't have a pension plan. We didn't have help, you know, after the transition. We didn't have, you know, there seemed to be a lot of complaining about something that they, you know, as an athlete, they should know better. As an independent mind thinker, that they should have taken the responsibility for themselves. And now with resources like what you do and, and with retirement plans and what you do, Matt, I mean, I, I don't think there's any excuse like that um, anymore where the, the, they, they can't find help for something like that. They don't need an Olympic committee to help them it is the bottom line. And, and so uh, maybe we, we leave with that is that you got to be you got to take the the bull by the horns sometimes and 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 set your own direction and seek help for you know that's in, right like in your that's retirement right. yeah um it, it has to be a team sport regardless of the age of life um to isolate is is a lonely story and that's a whole different narrative uh, what you're pointing to because we've always seen olympians as just stainless steel tough and and now we're seeing the human side of the story right and and you know they spend all their life so intensely, and then then it's quiet. It's much like it's much like what we've talked about in this episode around 30 years of full-time scale, you know, career, and then the next day, crickets, right? Yeah. So it is. It needs to be a team sport. Asking for help, seeking the resources to ensure that you're, as I said earlier, being able to live live your best version of yourself. So uh, Harry, when when we're looking at uh, what what you call pro-tirement. Um, you know, in, in, let's say two minutes or less, um, I know there is, you know, there's executive coaches out there. Uh, why would somebody want to work with you and why would they want to work with Questage? Great question. And, and we make it, we're very clear. We're not for everybody. So we've been using the Olympic metaphor. So this is, we're very niched. We're very focused, uh, based on, um, where we played and, um, I feel so privileged to have had the opportunity to be in the arena with really bright, smart leaders. And so, so for questions, it's really, it's really for that leader who's, who's listening to your, your podcast that's leaning in and going, I'm curious. That would be, that, that's, that's a clue intuitively that, that we might want to have a conversation. Um, we have mastermind programs as well as one-on-one -on -one programs. Uh, and again, we try to make it really easy because um, we're not for everybody. So going to the website and taking the are you ready is probably the quickest way to take a minute of your life and and respond. And, and I'm very much about paying it forward. So I know that we're not for everybody and, and we, we have a lot of external resources uh, that to support listeners um, so that they can have exactly what we've talked about in the show. Very good. Uh, Alan, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. It was nice uh, getting to have a chat back and forth with the three of us. Uh, Jeff, was there anything uh, you want to add in here before we uh, we say goodbye to Alan for the day? No, but, but I appreciate your uh, your uh, advice and and uh, look forward to maybe using your services someday. So, excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, good luck to what you do. It's important, and I appreciate having this time with you. Absolutely. Listeners, that's uh, all for today. So let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. Thanks for tuning in.
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. The same old pimp, mace, you know ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't stop till I see my name on the blimp. Guarantee me, it's just pull a level up. You don't believe